You are listening to Sheep Might Fly, a podcast of serialised fiction written and read by Tansy Rayner Roberts. Our current serial is of knives and night blooms, and this is the second half of Chapter 11, At the Reticent Wombat. Icaros hated having a retinue. He had hoped to check in with Yana, ask a few useful questions and get out again. He had a certain way he liked to do these things, hovering at the edges of other people's lives, one eye on the door. The township didn't have an official name, but the locals called it Cask and Barrels because of the unique design of the buildings. Every other business was a purveyor of whiskey, beer, wine, or fried fish on sticks. They also had, ironically, the second best barrel maker in the country. The reticent wombat was the most respected tavern in cask and barrels, not only because it stuck out so far across the river, it was often the first place any sailor reached. The food was made of actual food, the beer came from decent breweries, and the prices were fair. If it wasn't built on stilts over the god's damned river divine, Icaros might well have made this place his local. Instead, it was one more location he could not trust. He hadn't been here in years, so he didn't recognise the muscle lurking at the door and only recalled a few of the regulars. It made his skin itch, that lack of familiarity. With Marty and Calix in tow, there'd be no hovering in the shadows for him. They had to sit at a table, food and drink had to be ordered, and, well, it was more of a production than he preferred. Yana wasn't at the bar, but Icaros caught Emberly's eye easily enough and waited for her to serve him. She took her time, which served him right. Emberly was a solid girl, good shoulders for shifting barrels. Her hair was lighter than her mother's, braided back in a queue, like she was a soldier going to war. She was taller, of course. Everyone was taller than Yana. Look at you, old man, Emberly drawled as she pulled him a pint, slumming it on the river with the rest of us. Is everywhere else on fire? Charming as ever, Em, he said, putting in an order for drinks for Marty and Calix too. As an afterthought, he requested onion dumplings, just so Calix could tell her daughter she'd had the full tavern experience. You're not old enough to be serving drinks. Emberly's eyebrows went up. Bet you half a sparrow? He let that slide. He had no actual idea how old she was. Where's your mother? He tried. Ladies luncheon at the bell. She's cheating on you with another tavern. Em rolled her eyes. Half-priced fruity drinks and a handsome bard plucking all the right strings. We can't compete with that around here. She waved a hand indicating the sparse crowd. There were no female customers, except the ones Icaros had brought in with him. Icaros frowned for a moment, wondering if he had time to nip across town to the Blue and Bell, which had the benefit of being on land, at least. This visit was a bust if he couldn't speak to Yana. Em sighed at him, levering onion dumplings off her griddle, filling a basketware platter with more dents in it than the others. Or you could ask me what you want. Gossip, he admitted. 
fresh out. She shoved the basket at him. Hey, speaking of gossip, no. Is it true you and Valeria finally called it quits? Will you win money on it? If you tell me it's true, I'll throw a fucking party. Behave, he said sternly. I'll start when you do, old man. She certainly sounded old enough to sling drinks, and her movements behind the bar made it clear she'd been doing this job for a long time. He'd lost track again. It was so easy to do. Calix observed Icaros with interest as he bantered with the girl at the bar. There was an intensity about his gaze that she couldn't quite make sense of. Marty, meanwhile, was knitting a mass of soft purple yarn into something that couldn't possibly be a garment anyone was supposed to wear, least of all a baby. For someone whose embroidery was worthy of a parlous harem, she did not have the talent for these thicker wooden needles. The priest they called the Needle took her duty seriously. Marty might have a lap full of lopsided knitting, but her eyes took in every vulnerable spot, lingering on windows and doorways in turn, looking over each of the customers then back to the escape routes. Her gaze never dropped to her lap at all, which might go something towards explaining how she'd created such a tangle. People like to see a pregnant woman knitting, Marty explained, though Calix had not asked. It makes us appear less homicidal, which is interesting because it definitely has the opposite effect on our inner thoughts. And the needles could be a weapon in a pinch? Marty gave her an extremely dry look. Anything can be a weapon in a pinch. Icaros returned to them with drinks and a basket of pale glossy crescents with crusted grill marks on the outside. You and the bartender had a great deal to say to each other, Calix observed. Icaros paused deliberately, as if checking how many seconds he could resist what she wanted of him. She hadn't asked him a deliberate question after all, but her intent was clear. She's my granddaughter, he admitted. Oh, is that Emberly? exclaimed Marty, and waved across the tavern. She looks so grown up! Tell me about it, muttered Icarus. Granddaughter, said Calix, surveying him with surprise. She'd assumed he was somewhere around thirty. Despite his haunted eyes and the old-fashioned beard, he had the general appearance of a man her age. I started young, said Icarus. I started young, said Calix. She'd been fifteen when she married, sixteen when she gave birth, too young for it all. How can you have a granddaughter, Nimue's age? Icarus gave her a wolfish smile, and managed not to provide a clear answer for that. Em's not as useful for the more shadowy sources of gossip as her mother, but we don't have time to hang around and wait for Yana to get back. Unless you're willing to let me run across town. Not a question. No, Calix said immediately. We shouldn't move too far from the barge. I agree. So this was a waste of time. Icarus shrugged and bit into one of the dumplings. The pungent smell of sweet onions hit the air. Not if you're hungry.
Icarus, she pressed. Exactly how old are you? He looked bored with the topic, then paused and thought about it, not answering. You've forgotten again, accused Marty. I haven't. He frowned. I was going to say fifty-ish. Ha! <laughs> Marty mocked. You left the ish in the dust nearly a decade ago. You were past forty when that one was born. She indicated the girl behind the bar. See, this is why I have to retire. I don't want to glance up one day and find I misplaced a few decades, and my child's whole lifespan with it. That, for some reason that Calix could not guess at, inspired a particularly flat stare from Icaros and an instantly apologetic glance in response from Marty. Go on, then, he challenged her. How old am I? One moment Icaros was bantering with Marty about his age, and the next... The smell of shadows overwhelmed the sticky onion dumplings and other tavern scents. The Black Raven's priests always knew when their god and his works were near. It meant someone was about to meet their end, of natural causes or otherwise. Time slowed. Icarus tried to look everywhere at once, his eyes flicking to any potential source for harm. He saw Mardi moving in his periphery, tense and professional. They spun around at the same time, back to back, while still balanced on their rickety stools. In the centre of it all, Calix had barely begun to notice their reaction. She sat like a daisy, in the centre of what was about to become a thunderstorm. There were three mystics by the fire, grey-clad and daubed in fertility charms, wispy beards and barely a pectoral muscle between them. Icarus had already written them off as no threat. A cluster of sailors gathered by the bar, joking and drinking. An old man at another table rolling dice between finger and thumb. At the high window, a shadow. Icarus reached out and closed his hand around the shaft of an arrow shot from above. He caught it, snatched it out of the air before it could hit its mark. Splinter and fletching grazed his skin in a burst of burning pain. Someone screamed. Not Mardi or Calix, not Emberly. One of the mystics, perhaps? The shadow was gone. You've got this, Icarus demanded of Mardi, already on his feet. She had a knife in her hand and moved behind Calix as close as she could be. Of course. Go. Icarus ran. Thanks for listening to Sheep Might Fly. I'll be back with a new chapter next week. This podcast was recorded on Palawa land. I acknowledge and pay respect to the Tasmanian Aboriginal people as the traditional and continuing custodians of Lutruwita, Tasmania. Sheep Might Fly is produced and edited by Andrew Finch. You can sign up to my author newsletter for updates. Follow me on Twitter at TansyRR. And if you like this podcast, consider supporting me at Patreon where you can receive all kinds of bonus rewards, early ebooks, and exclusive stories for a small monthly pledge. See you next week.